The message you're about to listen to is by Reverend Dr. Femi Olaleya of Oikea Christian Center. Remain blessed as you listen. to our virtual midweek service virtual because most of you are not here hallelujah all right praise god and somebody help me with our wonderful guest so that we can concentrate and preach the word glory to god so we've been looking at laws talking about the spiritual laws we apply in the place of prayer and last week, we talked about two important laws, the law of love. Then we talked about the law of what? Patience. The law of love and the law of patience. Very, very important teaching because um, <clears throat> many believers do not really understand the relationship between their love work and answers to prayer. They are not able to understand the difference between their love, um, the connection between their love work and their answers to prayer. And as a result, there is um, a lot of challenge in that where we do not see, all right, um, how will I put it? We do not see, all right, instant manifestation of that which we have prayed for. So one of the things we're, uh, we, we, we focused on last week was able to see that connection and saw that we should actually ensure that we operate with the understanding that faith works by love. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Then we also look at the law of patience. We saw that after you've asked God for something in faith, it is very, very important and pivotal for you to patiently wait for the manifestation. Of that which you have asked for. All right. You patiently wait for the manifestation of that which you have asked for. That is so important because you have that a lot of people, after they've asked God for something in prayer, spend the time, all right, that they are supposed to spend patiently waiting. All right. They spend that time patiently being anxious, they patiently being um, um, worrisome and patiently complaining <laughs> of that which they are supposed to have thanked God for that they have received in faith. So not to take a lot of our time, I want to now begin this evening to talk about the other laws I want us to look at. We're going to be looking at three other laws if we have time today. All right, the fifth law, all right, we look at, and the first for today, is the law of persistence. The law of persistence. The law of persistence. And this is something I found that many believers do not understand. Because in our, uh, give me quick, give me quick, answer me quick, fast food mindset in the fast food world where we press the button and everything is sorted, we most times want God to be like that. All right? So we feel that if we have to ask for a thing twice, or we pray about a matter twice, then it must be maybe there is doubt, unbelief, or there is a generational cause or something like that. You understand? I'm sure Daniel, if he did not have the understanding that he had, would have thought that probably there was a generational cause hindering him, all right, from getting an answer or something like that. So the law of persistence. Turn your Bible to St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. Who is on the scriptures, please? St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. And from verse 1. 
Praise God. St. Luke's Gospel 11, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass, it says, And it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he sees, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Now, it's important, don't move first, let's stay one. He said, I came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. I did a study recently of the prayer life of Jesus. And I checked something very important. I checked to look for where the disciples of Jesus actually prayed along with Jesus. Actually had a prayer life like Jesus. I couldn't find any where the disciples themselves had a prayer life. Praise the Lord. So for example, in fact, the closest I found... So the disciples, you know, praying was on a, um, a garden of Gethsemane where Jesus asked them, watch with me for an hour. But the Bible lets us know that when, as soon as Jesus started praying, they started sleeping. They couldn't pray. Then you found also in Matthew 17, all right, and Luke, um, Luke chapter 9 or so, Luke chapter 9. No, is it Luke chapter 9 now? Uh, when Jesus was, no, it was Matthew 17. So in Matthew 17, the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus Christ went up the temple and he prayed. The Bible said, as he prayed, his cloth changed. His appearance was transformed. Hallelujah. But one curious thing I found was that the disciples were also sleeping at that instance when Jesus was praying. They were sleeping. So every single time Jesus spent long hours in prayer, his disciples were what? We're sleeping. So it explains something to me as I studied because um, you find that in Matthew 17, when Jesus comes down from the mount, Jesus came full of power and there was a guy there who was possessed of devils. And the Bible says the disciples of Jesus struggled to cast that devil out. The devil didn't go. But when Jesus came down, the Bible says the moment Jesus walked towards the guy, the devil began to throw the young man, all right, and began to throw Why? That devil, Jesus had not said, come out. But the moment Jesus walked towards the guy, the devil began to throw him, which means that the devil was responding to what? The power of God that was what? Tangibly manifested around who? Jesus. Which the disciples did not have. Now, if you go to St. Luke's Gospel chapter number 10, and you go to St. Luke's Gospel chapter number 11, you're going to find that Jesus gave authority and power to the disciples. To the 12, then later he gave to the 70. So those disciples went, all right, using the authority that Jesus um, gave them with words, saying, in my name, if you cast out devils, there we go. Then also, he says he gave them authority and power against unclean spirit, which means that Jesus laid hands on them and what? Imparted them. So they went in that impartation. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And in that delegated authority, and when they met devils on the way, casted them as the devils left. Praise God. Now, what am I trying to tell you? Yes, Jesus imparted them. Yes, authority was delegated to them. But if you do not have a prayer life, you will not be able to sustain the supernatural. Praise God. The difference between the Jesus Christ and the disciples this time was that Jesus had a prayer life. They didn't. Praise the Lord. Jesus had a prayer life they didn't. And why was it difficult for them to have a prayer life? Because they had not yet received the what? The spirit of God within them. The indwelling spirit. Because that is the NG room for prayer. So he said, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when, all right, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that's when he stopped, that one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. All right, next verse. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is heaven. Go on. All right. Give us this day our deliverance. So he goes and tells the Lord's Prayer. Can we go to the end of that Lord's Prayer and go to um, verse um, 8? You will now find that after Jesus gives them the pattern to pray, not, you know, the words to pray, he now says, um, back up to when he talks about, uh, go back two verses. You now see that Jesus now talks about the application of that prayer. He now says, 
For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. All right, so he is saying that, all right, a, a friend comes to meet another friend and says, look, I have a guest, and this guest needs to be attended to. I have to give him, you know, bread, and I have to attend to him. He now says, all right, he says, and he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Next verse. He now says, I said to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his what? Persistence. Now, in the King James Bible, you have the word as importunity. Is that correct? Is that correct? Importunity. He will rise and give him as many as he needs. He says, because of his persistence. So that means the key in prayer is actually what? Persistence. Glory to God. Persistence. He says, the man is not going to give him the bread, all right, because he's his friend. He's not going to say, oh, because he's his friend. Because if a guy comes, if someone comes to my house at around 1 a.m. and says, hey, do you have some bread? I have some guests. I'll say, get out. Come in the morning. Do you understand? I'm sleeping. My, my kids are talked in. Don't disturb me. Don't disturb my wife. It's 1 a.m. But if that friend persistently knocked, persistently knocked, I need this thing, give me the bread, blah, blah, blah. you understand? I will want to answer him, give him the stuff so he gets out. Are you following that? Come on, are you following that? He says, though he will not give him because he's his friend, but because of his what? Persistence. The law of persistence. Now, let us look at what that says. This speaks of tenacity and doggedness in the place of prayer. The law of persistence speaks to staying put on a prayer request until there is an answer or an instruction. Glory to God. Now, the word opportunity used in the Old King James Bible is the Greek word anadia. That's where persistence comes from. All right? And actually, apart from um, trans being translated persistence, it's always also translated as shamelessness. Shamelessness and impudence. So the, it is talking about unrestrained asking. It's a kind of asking that is not shy, that does not take into consideration that the person you are asking in is, is being disturbed. Praise God. Are you following that? Shameless asking. Persistent asking. Hallelujah. Persistent asking. Continuous asking. Amen. This man is asking without any restraint and is unwilling to take no as an answer. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Unwilling to take no as an answer. Now let me show you something. One popular scripture. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. Alright. Very important scripture. And many times because of how we read Matthew 7 7 we don't understand what Jesus was actually saying there. So it says here, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will what? Find. Knock and it will be what? Open to you. So what we see here is that we think that the ask is a one-time event. You understand? Like for example, when I say ask there, it means I'm saying, Oluchi, give me that bag. You understand? So I just say it once. Praise the Lord. So we think, like, say, it's, I say, I ask once, I seek once, and I knock once. So we think it's a um, present tense, one-time action. But that word acts there in the Greek ITO, and ITO and the Greek for seek and the Greek for knock are actually in the present continuous tense. I'm afraid you remember English. Present continuous. So what is present continuous? If I say, I saw him walk past. What's that? That's past tense. Right? All right. I went to the market. All right. All right. All right. So if I say, I am walking to the market. What's that? Present what? Which means it is an activity that is what? Ongoing. Is that correct? Come on. Is that correct? Now this verb... Ask is in the present continuous tense. 
in the Greek. So, when he says, ask and it will be given to you, he's actually better translated as, keep asking. And it shall be what? Keep seeking. And it shall what? Keep knocking. And it will be what? So you see that. So that means the asking is a present continuous thing. So Jesus is talking about a lifestyle of asking. A culture of asking. Glory to God. I said glory to God. A lifetime of acting, a persistence in acting, a persistence in seeking, and a persistence in knocking. Glory to God. Now, this is a culture believers must have. To be able to take a matter to the Lord and to stay there until you have an answer. Now, I'm not saying that you go to the Lord in prayer day one and you stay, you can stay, pause, come back again. I will show you an example in scripture where somebody prayed, stopped, then came back again. Then you understand. Why? Because until you get a yes or an answer or a response, you don't leave the matter alone. That is persistence in prayer. Glory to God. Persistence in prayer. Many of us actually, truth is, oh, glory to God. Do you know that the proof that you actually desire an answer from God is that you stick to the thing you are asking about? Right? I want to ask you a question. Guys, look at me. How many of you, let's say you have not eaten in two weeks and you have not slept on a good bed in two weeks, then you meet somebody who can help you, and the person says, ask what you want. How many of you would ask for anything other than a meal right now, and a bed, and a house to sleep in? How many of you ask for anything other than that? Now, uh, uh, when you ask, and he didn't give it to you, you understand, and he's talking about a nice car, right? A nice car, or a train trip to Dubai. How many of you now, how many of you be carried away about the train trip to Dubai and a nice car? You wouldn't be. Why? Because what you really desire is what? A nice meal and a bed. To, yeah, you follow what I'm talking about. So that means the proof that the desire, all right, of that desire being uppermost in your heart is that you will stay asking until there is an answer. The truth is that many of us, all right, really, really do not have True desires, what we have are desires stirred up in our heart by envy, jealousy, and competition. Did you hear what I said? I said, did you hear what I said? Desires stirred up by envy, jealousy, and competition. So those desires don't have deep roots. Glory to God. They don't have deep roots. But desires that are true. You will find out that you, whenever you go to God in prayer, you are talking about it. It has not left. You are talking about it. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. All right, it has not, you are talking about it. Oh God, this thing. Oh God, this thing. Oh God. Why? Because it's a need that you have. Persistence in prayer. Persistence in prayer. Asking God for the same thing again and again, seeking for Clarity, seeking for a response, seeking for instruction is not unbelief. Glory to God. It is not unbelief. There are different types of prayer. There's the prayer of faith. The laws for the prayer of faith are different. Then there's the law of prayer of supplication. The law for prayer of supplication are different. The prayer of faith, many times when we are, at, we are, we are um, offering the prayer of faith, usually the object is not God. Jesus said, therefore, all right, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, he said, you shall say unto what? This mountain. The mountain is not God. The mountain is an obstacle. The mountain is an issue. So that means in the prayer of faith, you are speaking to things. You are speaking to situations. You are speaking to challenges. Hallelujah. So the prayer of faith and the law of faith is unleashed against things. But when it comes to supplication, supplication is addressed to God. God is the object of supplication. Glory to God. Glory to God. So we keep asking until he gives a response. Amen? Keep asking. We keep seeking. We keep knocking. 
Look at James chapter 5 and verse 13. An example of someone who did something like this. Elijah. Elijah. I was listening to a man of God who was saying that in St. Luke's Gospel 945, Jesus was correcting Elijah. That uh, when, G when Elijah um, in 2 Kings, is it 2 Kings? Yes, 2 Kings chapter number 1, all right, when Elijah went to sit on Mount Carmel and there were these soldiers that were sent by Isaiah, the king of Israel, and, um, <laughs> uh, and Elisha said, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and what? Consume you and your 50. So someone was saying, no, that that's not the character of God in Christ. That it wasn't the character of God in Christ that fire came down from heaven and destroyed those men. So I said, what in the world are you talking about? What do you mean it's not the character of God? He said, he said, because the guys were destroyed. I said, hold on, bro. Do you think those soldiers were coming to, you know, bake bread and roast yam for Elijah? They were coming to kill him. Glory to God. They were calling to kill him because Isaiah, like his mother, Jezebel, were under the influence of the principality of Baal. And Baal was a demonic principality whose role was to scuttle God's plan for redemption. Elijah was an important player in the fulfillment of God's plan for redemption. How so? Very simple. Because God had promised David that of his foot of his loins, he shall raise up what? A king that will sit on his throne. That king God was talking about was not Solomon. That king was who? Was Christ. So, if Jezebel had succeeded in getting the whole of Israel to nationalize worship of Baal and hand it over as a cultural heritage for many millennia, you would have arrived at the time of Jesus and nobody has read the law of Moses. And nobody has read the prophets. And nobody was keeping any scriptural books. The books that we have will be what? Those that have to do with what? With Baal. Are you following? So it was important that Elijah's ministry was fulfilled. So when they came, Elijah said, if I be a man of God, let fire come from heaven. You know where the fire came from? The fire didn't come from God. The fire came from the angel. Praise God. And someone says, oh, so if it was the angel that sent the fire, did the angel do it without God's permission? Did the angel do it by himself? And I always, whenever people ask me that question, I always tell them this. I said, I always say this. Are we in Nigeria, right? We're in Nigeria, right? Talk to me, church. You know we are few here, but you are the audience I'm working with. Amen. So you have to respond. Now, we're in Nigeria, correct? Good. Do we have laws in Nigeria? Do we have a police force? Do we have a judiciary? Right? We have a president, right? Of Nigeria. Now, if somebody broke the law, who goes to arrest him? Talk to me now. Who goes to arrest him? The, the police goes to arrest him. Did the president authorize the police going to arrest him directly? But did he authorize the police going to arrest him indirectly? Why? Because the president is to uphold what? The law of the nation. Are you following what I'm saying? So he goes and they arrest the guy. Then they take him to the court. The judge sits. The judge judges that guy based on what? The law. Oh, come on. Now you follow what I'm saying? Based on the law. Whatsoever the law says is the sentence is carried out. Correct? Is that correct? Uh-huh. Simple. Those guys came against Elijah to kill him. Glory to God. The angel of the Lord, the moment Elijah said, if I be a man of God, as a man on the earth, with a prophetic voice, let fire come from heaven and consume these guys. The angel obliged and released what? Fire. At the instance of who? Elijah. Because that angel backed Elijah up. Because Elijah is on whose side? God. This teaching is on my uh, four-part series, Angels. Get it on Telegram. All right? I talked about angels in-depthly, and you see a lot of things there. Praise God. Praise the Lord. All right, so where was it? I said James chapter 5. Verse 13. Can we read one to go? It says, I will put, if you are there, can we read one to go? If you're in your Bible. Hallelujah. 
He says, is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing what? Psalms. Next verse. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing with him with oil in the name of the Lord. Next verse. It now says, and the prayer of faith. We what? Save the sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Next verse. It now says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. It now says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? Avails much. Now, next verse. He says, Elijah was a man with a what? A nature like ours. And he prayed what? Now, let me show you something. You see that word prayed there? The word prayed here is the Greek word posukomai. It means to ask, to supplicate. All right? Posukomai. All right? That is P-R-O-S-E-U-C-H-E-O-M-A-I. But while studying... I checked that word earnestly. And I found out that the word earnestly is actually the same as the word prayed. In similarity, because the word earnestly is the Greek word prosuke. That is P-R-O-S-E-U-C-H-E. So, James uses the word prayer or prayed twice. So when he says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed, prayed. So they translated it as prayed earnestly. So what they are saying is that, they are saying, is that, they are saying Elijah did not just pray. Glory to God. Elijah really prayed. So he's talking about the intensity with which he prayed. The persistence and the insistence of his demeanor when he prayed. So what Elijah was doing was, he is saying, this thing I'm asking for, I must get it. He was not willing to get no. He was not willing to get what? No, no, no. He said, it must be this way. Hallelujah. He was enforcing God's will. What did Elijah pray for? Elijah prayed that there should not be rain in Israel. What was he doing? Pay attention, guys. Pay attention now so that you understand one very important thing about prayer. He, he, he prayed that there should not be rain in Israel because Israel, under Heab, had gone after idolatry. They've gone after idols. So he said there must not be rain. What was he doing? You see, because according to the law of Moses, all right, when the nation of Israel, all right, departed from following God, Praise God. What was in the law of Moses was that the blessings of God will be withheld and the causes of God will follow. Basically, you know what causes? Causes what? The withholding of what? The blessing. So a cause is a negation. A cause is the blessing is absent. So if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, you are going to see clearly there, all right, the blessings of the law and the causes of the law. One of the things that was uh, uh, consistent with the causes of the law was famine. Which means there will be no what? No rain. But the funny thing was, under Ahab, they were not following the law of the Lord, yet there was prosperity. Are you following? So there was prosperity. And Elijah was like, what, looking at what was going there. They were, the more they disobeyed, the more they were prospering. The more the nation was doing well. The more money was coming in. So they were worshipping Baal, they were despising the Lord, and they were prospering. Elijah now said, it's not supposed to be like this. <laughs> so that's why Elijah now goes to pray. And said, God, we told your blessings. We told rain. And he prayed earnestly. James actually calls it that Elijah interceded against Israel. He did not intercede for them. And the reason why Elijah did was, that, was like, listen, if they are in prosperity and disobedience, they will not hear my message. I want to bring these people back to you. Are you following? I want to bring these people back to worshipping you. And if you continue blessing them, they will not hear my message. Glory to God. So he goes to pray that there should be no rain. And he prayed earnestly. And the Bible says there was no rain for how long? For three years and what? Six months. Three years and six months. And during the three years and six months, Ahab was disobedient. During that period, Ahab was disobedient. 
They said no. They now went on see they came to the end of that said, ah no, we want we need this thing to stop. So Elijah said, You want it to stop? Here are my terms. Gather out the prophets of Baal. And let us have a contest. The word God that answers by fire, let him be what? Let him be God. And that was what happened. Can you see that? Then after the fire came, it, the Bible says, look at it. It says, there would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Next verse. He now says, and he prayed what? Again. So that means there was a prayer for rain not to be. There had to be a prayer for rain to fall. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? Which means prayer is an affair that is in the 100% custody of men. It is for men to pray. God does not determine the answers. Men determine the prayer. It is the prayer made that will determine the answer God gives. If after fire fell at Camel and the prophets of Baal were destroyed, Elijah did not pray for rain, there would still have been no rain. He had to pray what? Again. And if you go to 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18, you will find out that Elijah goes on top of Mount Carmel. And do you know how many times he prayed? He prayed seven times. Ay, ay, ay. Amen. Seven times. I would have thought that, ah, didn't you just get a victory for God? Praise the Lord. Ah, eh? You know, the whole of Israel was back again in the worship of God. Jehovah is God. Jehovah is God. I would have thought that the moment you went to pray, Father, you are saying rain. It would have been like this. After the fire fell, Elijah tells Ahab, he said, be on your way. For I hear an abundance of rain. Oh, praise God. He says, be on your way. I hear an abundance of rain. He gave Abraham, Ahab a prophecy that there will be rain. Amen. And that's what many of us do. We give people words. Oh, uh, I've seen it. It's happened. Amen. But what Elijah did not do was Elijah did not go and sleep. After giving Ahab the words that I see, I hear an abundance of rain, do you know what he goes? He goes up a mountain and goes to pray. The Bible said he prayed. He bowed, he put his knees on, he knelt down. The Bible says he put his head in between his knees. And he prayed. Then he sent a young man, go and check in the ocean. What do you see? He said there's nothing. He sent him the second time, said there's nothing. He sent him the third time, nothing. Fourth time, nothing. Every single time he must have been praying. Pray hard. Oh, yeah, go and check. Nothing. Oh, yeah, go and check. Nothing. Go and check. Nothing. Go and check. Nothing. Go and check. Until the seventh time, the guy goes there and says, I see nothing powerful, nothing significant. It's just a cloud the size of a man's hand. Just one small thing in the ocean. Nothing powerful. Listen to me. Many of us, you see, okay, a lady is actually... Believing God for a child. Praise God. She prays and fasts with her husband. They pray and fast first month. They didn't see anything. Praise again. She sees her period. You know, second month, you see her period. Third month, she sees her period. Like that, she keeps on going, 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 keeps on going. Then maybe the seventh month or even the 14th month of waiting. Hallelujah. Then they now see she bled small first day and it stopped. Glory to God. You understand? So she's not sure whether it's period or whether she are, are you following what I'm talking about? Then the devil now begins to tell you, you're not pregnant, trying to get her to be in unbelief. Elijah was done like that. Elijah's mindset towards God was, if I take it to God, he will answer, even though he may not answer the first time. Even though it may not seem to answer the first time. But I am going to stay there in the place of prayer until I see what I need to see. Until I get a response. Persistence in prayer. Persistence in prayer is not unbelief. Persistence in prayer is what? Faith in the ability of God and faith in the character of God to respond. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, there are times where you have stubborn challenges. There are times when you have promises of God, things God has told you that he has done for you, things people have given you words of prophecies about, but they stubbornly refuse to manifest. Stubbornly refuse to manifest. One person has given you the word of prophecy, another person has given you the word of prophecy, and those words of prophecy, they agree with the inward witness in your heart. But those things have stubbornly refused to manifest. You have to apply the Elijah principle, the principle of persistence. 
Hallelujah. The principle of what? Persistence. Endless spring. You keep there. You keep there. You know, there are many Christians that found out. We live in a, in a generation where we like shortcuts. Amen. Shortcuts. So you find that you have a lot of, a whole lot of believers always will like shortcuts. They will like, okay, all right, is there any VG we can go to where we can get the answer sharp, sharp? Is there a sharp prophet of God? You understand? Along now, now. Hallelujah. Along now, now. Along now, now. Along now. You understand? God, you know, so now, so you now find all those programs. Now, now, God. You want to say prophet now, now. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Prophet accelerates. You understand? My God, you, listen to me. There are no shortcuts. Forget the package videos of the prophecies. You know now, prophecy you see. You know see fulfillment though. And some of the, I am now this thing, by the time you go and meet the people and we sit down and talk, you now find that you understand. Listen to me and listen to me well. You need to learn to know God and take a hold on God yourself. You need to learn it. Thank God for pastors, prophets, people that have me work in miraculous like we do here. But still, the believer must be trained to stand by themselves. Praise the Lord. Stand by themselves. You have to learn that place of persistence in prayer until you get the answer you're looking for. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Elijah prayed intensely and wouldn't let the matter go. He said, no, this rain, no. So every time they saw rain like that, he would go back and pray. The same thing after. He prayed until there was rain. So Elijah understood this law of the Spirit, this law in prayer, in that you don't let it go until you get an answer. You stay there. Amen? You stay there. You have this feeling that the person you will marry will die young. Everything just comes as though you'll be a widow at a young age. You know what you do? You take that matter up and go to God in prayer about it. And you're praying in the Spirit. You are praying in the spirit. You are praying in the spirit. You are praying in the spirit. Pray, pray, pray until you get a word or you get a note of victory about the matter. Can I again tell the story? All right, I think it's in, either in Heart of Prayer, one of these bigger books, about his wife, Oretta. He said when they got married, he always had this premonition that she would die young. That she would die young. Then at a time when she was like mid-twenties or early thirties, she now had a goiter. Right? A goiter. And they were supposed to operate on that goiter. You understand? To operate on that goiter. And for some reason, when the doctor talked about doing the operation, he felt uneasy about the operation happening. As though she would go in and not come out. Oh, praise God. You see, there are certain things. Oh, glory to God. How do I say this? Never attempt to confess your way out of a situation that the leading of the Spirit warned you about. Did you hear what I said? Never attempt to confess your way out of a situation the Spirit of God is, the leading of the Spirit is warning you about. When the leading of the Spirit warns you about a matter, you are supposed to take that matter and go to the courtroom of God and settle it in prayer. So Ken Hagin goes and goes and begins to pray concerning his wife. And he just took time up to pray concerning his wife. Pray for his wife and prayed and prayed until a word came. And says, my son Kenneth, you are right. All right, you picked up right that if she had gone into the theater, she would not have come out. But because of your prayer, I have answered, and I will lend her life and give um, keep her life for a very you know to an old you know to an old ripe age. Praise God. So after that, receiving the assurances that you know now it was okay for her to go for the surgery, she went to surgery and they removed the they moved the girl and she was fine. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. You have to learn it. This, there's a way the things of the Spirit are. You have to learn the pray, principle of persistence, all right, in prayer. Persistence in the place of prayer. Glory to God. Persistence in the place of prayer. Now, we have another example. Daniel chapter 10. 
I will also tell you how you when you're when you're persistent in prayer, the signals you will get that will make you know, okay, you're you're good. Hallelujah. You understand? The first one eh, is that you have a note of victory. Now listen, do not fake a note of victory. Do you hear what I said? Do not what? There are some lazy people in prayer. Or le. Any small thing. You find <laughs> glory, 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 glory. Woo, glory. You are deceiving yourself. Amen. Amen. It's what ah, they want to claim that. Oh, glory, I got it, Lord. I got it, Lord. Eh, you got it, Lord. You can't fake spiritual things. Because if it is fake, time we tell. The time that we tell is that there will be no fruit to show to that thing you said or claimed you got or, or you received. You cannot fake it. So the note of victory, number one. Amen. That is, you have peace on your inside concerning the matter. You just know it's sorted. It's sorted. You don't have anything to worry about. It's sorted. You're fine. Second thing is an instruction is given or a revelation is granted. An instruction could be by the voice, in inward voice, or the audible voice of God. All right. The revelation could be via a vision or a dream. All right. Letting you know this is what you need to do or this is where it's going to go. All right. All right. So things like that. An instruction is given, a revelation is given. Then the third thing is that there could be a manifestation of the Spirit of God. That means a tangible manifestation of the Spirit of God will hit the place you are praying. Tangible manifestation of to hit the place of rain. So, for example, Solomon goes to dedicate the temple that he built. He offers 1,000 sacrifices. The Bible says that as he was praying, the presence of God invaded the temple, and the priest could not what? Minister. He could not minister. It's a strong manifestation of the presence of God. Strong manifestation of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. So, persistent in prayer or praying true is an important skill in warfare. Let me show you Matthew chapter 26. Jesus also applied the principle of persistence when he prayed. He also did. Matthew 26. So, do not let anybody deceive you to say when you say, I have something I'm praying about. Don't let me also tell you it's, it's, it's unbelief. No. It's scriptural. I'm praying about it. I'm talking to God about it. I have this matter I'm praying about. You have somebody that uh, you want to marry. And you want to spend time praying about it. It's fine. It's okay. Pray about it. Amen. Pray about it. Matthew 26, 36. Look at Matthew 26 and 36. You see, Jesus gets into the garden of Gethsemane. Because it's about time for him to go to the cross. And Jesus was really, really moved and bothered. All right. He says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. And said unto his disciples, Sit ye here, while I go and what? Pray what? Yonder. Then, next verse. And that says, And he took him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful. And very what? Heavy. Hmm. So when you are sorrowful and heavy, what should you do? You should what? You should what? Pray. He says, and very heavy. Next verse. He now says, Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. So he's asking them that they should pray and watch with him. Next verse. He now says, And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cause pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou what will. Next verse. And he cometh unto his disciples and findeth them asleep. And said unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me, what? One hour. Now notice, it means that that, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Alright? Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. That was just a short summary of what Jesus said in prayer because Jesus must have prayed for at least more than what? One hour. 
Are you following? Now, next verse. Watch and pray that he enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? Is weak. Next verse. He now says what? He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Next verse. He now says, And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. <laughs> Go on. The next verse now says, And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying what? The persistence. The same words. Everybody say persistence. Louder persistence. Persistence. Don't be in a hurry to change the prayer points. Don't find it easy to move on for a request you have not seen the answer. Stay there. He said, saying the same words. He said the same words. The same words. The same words. Hallelujah. Now, you know, it's important to pray in the spirit, right? But you see, when you are asking for a request, please use your understanding. Something that is clear. You know what you're asking for. Use your understanding. Praise God. There are many believers that have prayed in the spirit so much, they don't know how to pray in their understanding again. Amen. Amen. If Jesus did not pray in his understanding, we will not have his prayer to read. If Paul did not pray in his understanding, we will not have his prayer to read. You know, there's Pauline prayer. Now, the Pauline prayer was not in tongues. It was in understanding. Are you following? Praise God. So, it is good for you to pray in the spirit, but praying in the spirit should end up in what exactly are you praying about? There has to be, all right, a praying in your understanding so that when the answer comes and the manifestation comes, you will know and recognize, oh, I prayed about that. Now, praying in the spirit does not stop God from answering you. But the only issue is that you will not really know when you made the request that you made. Are you following what I'm talking about? So there must be a skill where you can pray effectively in the spirit and pray with your understanding, hallelujah, all right, praying with your understanding and getting results. And say, oh, yeah, I prayed about that. I prayed about that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But there's also a level you get to that as you are praying in the spirit, you understand what it is you are praying about. Though in the outward, people are not hearing you in understanding. They are hearing you in tongues. But you have gotten to that place where you have, um, you flow so much in the interpretation and the meaning of what you are saying in tongues that you understand what it is you're saying. You understand the, the request you're making to God. Amen. So that when the answer comes, oh, I, I know, I prayed about that in the spirit. You understand? So it depends on your level, but the result should be the same. Glory to God. So why is persistence in prayer required? I'll give you six reasons. Is it six? No, three reasons. Three reasons why persistence in prayer hmm, is required. It's required, oh brethren. You have to learn how to pray through. Pray through. You take a matter and pray through. Pray through concerning the spouse. Pray through about the children. If you are married, pray in the spirit concerning your children before they arrive. Chat their course before they come. Prepare their way in the spirit with your words. Chat it. Chat the course of your spouse before the spouse arrives. There are some of you that you come from homes where you have strong demonic oppression. You can, it's clear, it's very clear you can see it. Don't allow that. Glory to God. Pray out the nonsense. Don't go on, don't continue and leave a problem, a spiritual obstacle for your children to inherit. Sort it out. You have the authority and you have the power of God to blow any opposition to smithereens. 
Glory to God. Sort it out. Sort it out in prayer. You use the swallow of the Spirit in prayer. Glory to God. Very important. Why is persistence in prayer required? Three reasons. Number one, prayer changes us. And at times, the manifestation of the answer to prayer is depending on our transformation. A pastor is praying for enlargement in ministry, but it might mean that for that to first happen, God has to enlarge that pastor's heart. God has to enlarge that pastor's vision. So as he prays for enlargement in ministry, God does the work in him. In his heart, God does a work in his mind. Such that the more he prays, the more he is changed. And the more he is changed, the more God can hold um, and over to him. So many times, persistence in prayer is important because as you are praying, you are changing. Prayer does two things. You can pray and situations change. And you can pray and it is you that changes. Because at times, it is not the situation that needs changing. It is you that needs changing. So as you pray, you change. And you now find out that the issue was not the situation. The issue was what? Was you. Praise the Lord. Was you. So for example, you could be in a, in a storm, in a boat. Hallelujah. And God can deliver you out of a storm in that boat through two ways. Number one. He could deliver you by stealing the storm where you use your authority and say, be still. Amen. Or he can deliver you from that storm by stealing you while the storm still rages. Letting you know that no matter how this storm rages, this boat is not going under. Praise God. Are you following? I'll give you an example. Jesus was in the boat in the midst of a storm. Yet he was fast asleep. Why? Because Jesus was so stilled was so confident in God's assurance that he knew that as long as I'm in this boat, it's not going under. But the disciples were not at that level. So Jesus stilled the storm and the wind, not for his benefit, but for their benefit. Because if he stilled the wind and the storms, he rebuked the sin and the storm for himself, he would not have been sleeping because he's not that deep a sleeper. Praise God. Are you following what I'm saying here? Praise God. So he's still doing for their benefit, not for his. It's either he steals you in the midst of the storm, or he steals you. For example, look at Peter and um, Paul. I will notice that if you study the book of Acts, at some point, Paul's life was full of a lot of turbulence. But if you check, he was never perturbed throughout those turbulence. Why? Because the person God dealt with was not the circumstances and situation around him. It was him. Hallelujah. So God stilled him. You will stand before me. You will stand before the emperor of Rome and preach the gospel there. You have to wait there. So it was not about taking the persecution away. God was like, I'm using this persecution to bring you into Rome where you will stand before the emperor and testify and preach the gospel as a witness to the emperor. Are you seeing this? So the issue was not to steal and take the storm away. The issue was to stabilize Paul. So that in the midst of the storm, he's able to deliver the message. Hallelujah. There are some challenges that will not go away. But you praying will cause you to change. So that you can have a better perspective of the challenges. Amen. He said amen. So for example, a lady could be single. Alright. And she's praying, she's single, she's single, single. And God said, it's not your time for you to get married. But he said, but the world is looking at me. I'm old. He said, it's not your time. I'm getting. It's not your time. Are you following? The more she prays, what is happening? The woman begins to change. The anxiety she has. The worry she had. And the looking at what the world thinks. What they will say. The more she prays. The more she waits. All those things begin to what? Drop off. She will now get to a place of maturity where she doesn't care what people think about her. Where she doesn't care what their opinions are. She only cares about one person's opinion, him. So you will find out that at the point when she now marries, she is not the same woman when she started praying. 
And God could not use that woman as she was. He needed to change her into this. God doesn't send the storm. But at times, God uses the storm to make us better sailors. Because when the storm comes, he strengthens us against the storm. And we are able to weather it. And we are not the same people before the storm came. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is anybody learning anything today? So prayer changes us and at times the manifestation of the answer is dependent on us changing. Number two. Why is persistence in prayer required? I think we will just stop here. I have two other laws to share. Maybe we share some other time. I want to share love, confession, and love, thanksgiving. All right, but we don't have time. All right? So, at times, there is strong demonic opposition to the answer and the manifestation. And continuous praying keeps angelic forces on the front foot, making them deliver in our favor. Hallelujah. Making them deliver in our favor. So you have the Daniel example. I believe that's um, Daniel 10. Where he prays for 21 days. And fasted 21 days. And we find that there was an angelic warfare in the heavens. So that place of staying in the place of prayer is sometimes required because there's a strong demonic opposition to the answer. The third reason for persistence in prayer is that the answer of, to some prayers are dependent of the, on the will of other human beings. Persistent prayer ensures that enough power is generated and sustained to influence them in your favor. We have an example of that where Pharaoh was concerned in Exodus. All right, Pharaoh. He would not let the people go until there were a series of signs and wonders which were preceded by Moses going to pray. Notice that every of those signs and wonders were preceded by spiritual activity of Moses going to meet the Lord and say, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? That's prayer. Praise the Lord. So you find that when you have that, all right, uh, where other people are necessary. You are in a, in a, in a bank. And they are considering people for promotion. There are several people on the board to determine it. You want to get a job. There are several people on the board. Don't listen like that. Persistence in prayer. Persistence in prayer. Persistence in prayer. Persistence in prayer. You have a court case. And there are several factors at play. So determine that thing going in your favor. Persistence in prayer. Persistence in prayer. Persistence in prayer. Very important. Very important. Persistence in prayer. You keep praying. You keep praying. Remember when Peter was put in prison after James was killed? The Bible says that and the church continued in prayer without what? Stopping. To God for him. So that means... They, they started 24 hours prayer chain when Peter was imprisoned. They were not doing, we believe it, we confess it. Some of us apply the long, wrong laws, you understand, because we are praying the wrong prayers. There are things we use declaration for. There are things we will do 24 hour prayer chain for. Because Many times you have to apply pressure. Pray. You see, prayer is pressure, sir. You have to apply prayer pressure. And the moment they lock themselves up, they, you know they lock themselves up. Because that's how Peter, after he was released, went to where they were praying. Where they locked themselves up. They locked themselves up. And were always checking who is it, who is it, who is it. Because they were living in faith. They locked themselves up and were praying. Glory to God. So those guys woke up to pray. They took shifts in praying. Oh, I want to sleep. Oh, yeah, you. Continue the watch. Then when they saw, oh, yeah, carry up from where I stopped. So that God in heaven, at every time, somebody is talking about this Peter matter. Sometimes, you find that a lot of grace people, Christocentric people, 
who have gotten the theology, gotten excited about the theology, but have not yet been trained in the practice. They always get carried away. You hear things like stupid things. Jesus fasted so that we not fast. Jesus prayed hard. All right. Jesus prayed great drops of blood so that I will not have to pray great drops of blood. Very nice nonsense. You understand? High sounding nonsense. Nonsense. You know, basically, they are saying that Jesus took away their spiritual responsibilities. No, sir. Jesus took away your sin. Your spiritual responsibility are your spiritual responsibility. Amen. They are your spiritual responsibility. Oh, Jesus gave himself, so I don't have to give. You hear some people saying things like, oh no. Under the Old Testament, they were, it was compulsory to tithe. In the New Testament, we give as we are led. But the problem is, they are never led to give. But if you study the way they gave in the New Testament, you will find out that, oh, giving was a what? Responsibility. Hallelujah. So persistence in prayer. Persistence in prayer. You, you wake up to pray. You clear your schedule to pray. Hallelujah. You gather friends to pray. You create prayer chains about a matter. Amen. You're in a church. You're in a branch. You guys want to reach 200. You guys want to reach 500. You want to reach 600. You want to reach 1,000. It is possible if you guys organize yourself to pray. You know why? Expand. You will need to overcome demonic spiritual territorial spirits you have to you have to overpower them your influence have to what overrun them and for that to happen you have to create enough cloud of glory enough power in prayer to do it so that when we spend time praying spend time praying we made we've created the power oh, jesus prayed in matthew 17 such that when luke gives the account of the Transfiguration, the Bible says that when, uh, what is his name now? He said, Peter, James, and John, they were sleeping. When they woke up, they saw Moses and they saw Elijah with Jesus. The Bible tells us that when they woke up, hallelujah, and they walked towards them, they entered into a cloud of glory. So that means that the prayer power, hallelujah, that praying activity of Jesus had generated so much substance of the presence of God that it became a cloud of glory around Jesus, Elijah and Moses. So tangible that the disciples walked into it. The Bible says they were afraid. And as they walked into that cloud of glory, they heard the voice saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased hear him. You have to create enough power in prayer so that you exude enough quantum of glory in that territory for you to take the territory is going to be by glory for you to take the territory is going to be by power you have to exude enough of the glory of god in the right concentration in the thick concentration such that Oh, hallelujah. The more that power is being exuded from that place of prayer, from that church, from that center, the more that power is exuded. The powers in that area, we understand, there is a superior power that are centered here. When you go and say, I want to invite you to church, you are inviting them with power. It is not paper you are giving. It is glory inviting them. Power inviting them. You will now find out that when you say, come, it is not just invitation. It is a compilation. You are, you are compelling them to come. When they sleep, they will be hearing your voice saying, come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what's going to happen. So if there is a first investment you should make, it's a prayer investment. And it should be specific. What do you want? Pastor, worker, minister, member. Oh, we want our church to be 1,000. We want to be moving to this venue and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, put it and be, all of you begin to pray about it. Then don't move. Don't pray about it today. Then move to something else tomorrow. No, sir. Uh-uh. We stay on it. Are you following what I'm saying here? We stay on the matter. We never see him. We stay on it. We are going to see this thing. We don't see it for two weeks. We are fasting. Hallelujah. We are fasting. We are seeing this thing. 
We'll be like Elijah and say, we prayed earnestly. We, want, we must see it. We must see it, sir. We must see it. We will intensify prayer. We will persist in it. We will keep there. We will stay there. This is we will see this thing. We will see this thing. When we, oh, we are always having oh, we, we, this is going to cost ten million. It's going to cost million. Oh, we want better drums. Oh, we want better instrument. Well, eh, okay, so that means the money should be. Oh yeah, let us put it in prayer. Hallelujah. We will see it. We don't say we will be seeing it. So whether it is from us or from us, we have the money in the name of Jesus. We have what we need in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Are you following? Yes. We insist in prayer. We have no option than to pray. The moment there is no more, the moment prayer power goes down, all right, you now find that a lot of uh, Agbari goes up. Praise God. Okay, so, you know, so let us send letters to the rich people in the community. Let us send letters to the minister. You have an uncle. Let us send a letter giving envelope to different people. You have put money inside. You are wasting your time. Prayer. Everybody say prayer. Everybody say prayer. Everybody say prayer. We apply pressure. We apply pressure in the place of prayer. When we, we don't like what we are seeing, do you know what we do? We will intensify. When we don't like it, we will now double up until we see it. Until it gives way. Ask. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. For whosoever keeps asking shall receive. Whosoever keeps seeking shall find. And whosoever keeps what? Knocking. It shall be what? Open. So knock. Push in prayer until that door open. Until the next level is opened to you. It's a price to pray. And it's a price to pay in what? Prayer. Lift up your hands and just begin to bless the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just come on, talk in other tongues. Those of you watching, don't go off. Those of you on Mixer, don't go off. Begin to talk in other tongues. We have no option but to pray. 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 We pray personally. We organize ourselves to pray. We create prayer chains. Prayer watches. We cannot stop. Until we see it, we don't stop. We must see it. We apply pressure. We apply pressure. They apply pressure. Zibre we apply pressure. You have just listened to a message by Reverend Dr. Femi Olale of Oikea Christian Center. For other messages, visit our website at www.oikiacc.org. Remain blessed.